Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Hope you're having a very healthy Wednesday as we get to the middle of June. Training camp not that far away. We are keeping our fingers crossed. In this Eagles Insider Podcast, we're going to talk about training camp from the perspective of a young player trying to make the team. Not a draft pick, somebody who's been signed after the draft. How do you make a roster with such limited on-field time? Former Eagles defensive tackle Hollis Thomas did just that back in 1996. And he's here to give some advice to the long shots in this 2020 training camp period. But let's begin with a look at the regular season. We've taken a first look at the Washington Redskins, the Eagles opponent in week one. How about the Los Angeles Rams, the opponent in week two? Play-by-play announcer for the Rams, J.B. Long, joins us talking about a team that has made a whole lot of changes in this 2020 offseason. Week two, September 20th, Lincoln Financial Field, the Los Angeles Rams come to town and we get our first look at the Rams. J.B. Long, the play-by-play voice of the L.A. Rams, joins me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. J.B., how are you? They're doing well, thank you. All things considered, I understand uh, circumstances abound. Not many of them good, but uh, wishing yeah. the same back to you. That's what we're doing here. We are a diversion for what people really love, and that's the NFL. Um, it's interesting. You know, the narrative that I would say that I see from people talking about the Rams is, oh, look what they lost. Oh, look what they don't have. Blah, 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 blah. And then you go back and you go, okay, well, what kind of football team is this? A team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. And last year, despite all of the ups and downs and the injuries and the moves and this, still a 9-7 and football team that just missed the playoffs. I think people are underselling the L.A. Rams. What do you say about that? You know, I I think there's a case to be made for that, and I have made that case myself. Um, As close to it as I am, I also think there are some, uh, you know, hard realities that the Rams were dealing with last year that, you know, could have made them an 8-18. Eight eight um, the, the fact of the matter, I think, first and foremost, is the division in which they play is much different than it was when the Rams uh, won their NFC West championships in 17 and 18, Sean McVay's first couple of years. And I think that's really what was reflected in last year's results and record. And uh, a tougher strength of schedule, um, division games, not as uh, much of a cakewalk as maybe they had been previously. And and now that's the reality they come back to in 2020, where the 49ers are expected um, to be atop, and the Seahawks are once again picked ahead of them. And I, I think uh, a lot of people will see this season as much as any as a referendum on Sean McVay, who has also hired three new coordinators. So I'm intrigued to see all of that play out. Um, but yeah, there are some household names, be it Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton, uh, who are no longer with the Rams on both sides of the football. And while and they are really household names, but they're also big-time talents. So, J.B., tell me, how do you think the Rams have reloaded for 2020? And, and give me the case why they're maybe a better football team, at least as we kind of project to September. I really think the crux of the matter is the offensive line, which is interesting because they didn't invest in it either through the draft or free agency or via trade, at least not yet. And they've essentially doubled down on the group that they have in-house. And I will say that I think there are eight players capable of being NFL starters that they haven't already proven to be. 
So I'm not saying it's a, it's a poor strategy. It's just because it was the area that broke down most obviously in 2019. I think the external expectation was that the Rams would really go to work to retool that because Jared Goff was not the same quarterback in 19 that he was as a Pro Bowler the two years prior when there was total cohesion and, and really Pro Bowl level uh, performances up and down that offensive line. So I think it'll come back again to that uh, on the other side of the football it's it's the first year for sean in the rooms without wade phillips and i think that's you know by design i think that's the direction that sean really truly wanted to go and it's not many head coaches in this league that have a chance to see year four and start to kind of turn over and tweak the staff to their preferences but to do so with brandon staley who's a, a first-time nfl defensive coordinator was a bold move akin to the one that the rams made when they hired sean as the youngest head coach in nfl history so I'm really curious to see uh, not just personnel, but also scheme and execution, how they will look differently. And, you know, given the lack of on-field work, I can't even say that I have a, a truly great pulse for how that is going to play out in terms of X's and O's yet. Yeah, and that's why I think getting the Rams in week two early in the season for an Eagles team that returns the coaching staff intact and the schemes stay the same, the coordinators remain the same. So maybe I agree with you. That's something that, you look for early season advantages and the Eagles come back whole. So maybe that makes a difference. Um, kind of just give me a little overview of the offense and overview of, uh, of where you know, Jared Goff is in his development. Uh, how did he react coming off the Super Bowl season? What was he like last year? You know, I have to say I've known Jared since college. I covered his, his games at Cal and, you know, he's got a great poker face. He's never changed positive or negatively on this roller coaster that he's been on. Uh, I do think as he matures as a quarterback, uh, a year older, a year deeper into his professional career, and now certainly given the money that he's making, more and more will fall on his shoulders. That happens with Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and every other quarterback who absorbs more and more of his team's salary cap. And I think I think Jared's ready for that. You know, he and Sean McVay should be in lockstep uh, at this point in their tenure together. Uh, the, the one thing that has continued to change is kind of like the, the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator role. But, but really, I think at the heart of the matter, that's still Sean McVay to Jared Goff and a one-to-one communication. So I don't expect that to alter much. Uh, I think when he turns around and doesn't have number 30 Todd Gilly to hand off to or play action fake to, I, I think that'll probably be the biggest difference. And the Rams uh, address that need by using their first pick of this draft. It was a second-round pick on Cam Akers out of Florida State. And the Rams continue, I think you could say, to run against the grain in terms of the capital that they invest in the running back position, uh, both in terms of draft capital and then also financial capital, given what they're paying uh, for Todd Gurley to play for the Falcons. So uh, I think that'll be a dominant storyline. At receiver, I think they're still fine, you know, trading away Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think at this juncture of his career and the, and the trajectory of the Rams made sense. Uh, they'll again pay a, a financial price to make that happen, but they were gravitating to more two tight end sets and two or three receiver looks in December of last year anyway, and I suspect we'll see a good bit of that again here in 2020. So that would leave Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup that receiver with Josh Reynolds behind them and Van Jefferson, who they drafted. So I think they're still really strong at the skill position players. Um, but again, can you protect? Can you run outside zone? Can you open up lanes the way they did for Gurley when it was going really well in 17 and 18? Uh, I know McVeigh thinks they can. That remains to be seen, and I think uh, will be one of the earliest kind of puzzles to to sort out as early as week two when they, they travel to Philadelphia. JP, last one for you. Uh, you mentioned Gurley, so you can't mention him here. Most significant 
departure from the Rams in this offseason and the most significant addition to the Rams roster? Yeah, good question. You know, my, my heart wants to say Corey Littleton, who was wearing the green dot and was in the middle of their defense. You know, he was a rock, and he was a, he was a Pro Bowl special teamer, too. So I think that's a big loss. And since they didn't draft or, or sign his clear and obvious replacement, I think that will be the biggest question mark on the defensive side of the ball. But akin to that is replacing Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler on the edges. And they did bring Leonard Floyd in. Uh, from Chicago, and they did draft Terrell Lewis out of Alabama to maybe shore up uh, their edge rush. And it seems like they want to actually prioritize being stout against the run on the perimeter, which is which is curious. And I, I'm very interested to see how that looks and plays out. My my hunch is that they want to you know stuff runs on early downs, get teams in unknown passing situations, and let Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey do what they do best. Whether or not they're able to execute that and play into that plan. Uh, remains to be seen. But to have a void on the middle of your defense uh, at this stage of the summer at middle linebacker and then also have questions to answer in terms of who creates the edge rush and teams with Aaron Donald in that, that pass rush game uh, are two really, really big uh, voids, I think, that are, are left to be filled on defense. And then biggest addition, uh, well, I would, I would have to say Cam Akers through the draft. I mean, I, I, Sean McVay does not seem settled uh, based on the options in-house at running back. And when you're replacing Gurley, who had more carries, more touches than any running back in the NFL uh, in his three years with McVay, I think that's where you have to gravitate towards in terms of biggest addition on offense. I would not be surprised if even with a truncated offseason program that the rookie comes in and has the lion's share of the, of the work you know, starting in, in week one. J.B. Long, play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Rams. Thank you for giving us the first look at September 20th. I appreciate the distraction on this end as well. I hope we get yeah. to see it in person uh, in week two. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, man. Stay safe. Stay healthy. All right. Bye now. Now more than ever, we've come to understand the importance of celebrating special moments with those we love. The Eagles Autism Foundation and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia want to help you commemorate these occasions. Throughout June, you'll have the unique opportunity to recognize someone special by posting a message on the video board at Lincoln Financial Field. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagles Autism Foundation to learn how to celebrate with a shout out. So we look with great excitement at that week two matchup, the Eagles and the Rams in South Philadelphia. Now let's talk about the long shots, and how they're going to make this football team. Hollis Thomas parlayed a great deal of athletic ability and power and desire into a long NFL career. It started in Philadelphia. We know him well with his radio appearances, his media time, and he's got a lesson for all the young players trying to make the 53-man roster. Hollis Thomas. You know, I was thinking about you, Hollis, because... Um there's got there obviously no no work on the field in the spring here, and all of these players who were not drafted who are trying to make teams in the NFL, I feel like they're really going to pay the price. You were not drafted in 1996 out of Northern Illinois, and yet you made the team. You made the All Rookie Team by the Football News in '96. Uh, no, um, I was thinking. You know what? I was I was just thinking about that when they was when they was you guys were showing the virtual virtual workouts. Um, I think I think the guys who, who are coming in, first of all, the, uh, it's a, it's a new way that they're bringing guys in to just try out for the team during these mini camps. 
So they're going to obviously miss that work. And then it's like, yeah, as, a, as an undrafted free agent, if they're not real high on you, you're not going to get that many reps. So it's like, it's kind of like, um, you're kind of going to fall by the wayside, really, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't show some pops in the, in the, in the few reps that you do get. So you have to be ready. So there's got to be some practice time and some practice time together for the, for the current guys who you actually going to truly count on. The guys that are free agents, I was, I was fortunate enough to, come into a situation to where they had some older guys where I was able to learn, but I was able to learn on the job. These guys are going to be in a, in a catch-22 because I don't I don't know how they're going to do it. It's kind of like when they were trying to take away the preseason game. That really puts the guys who are on, or, or the free agents in a catch-22 because they're not able to display their work in an actual, in an actual live setting. So, man, it's, it's a... I don't know. It's, I think I think I think all the guys. I think this is the one thing that they're going to have to do. They're going to have to be ready. It's not going to be any time for any any uh, any any child's play or any any mess ups. So, it's like, so you, when, I, when, go ahead. Then how do you get ready, Hollis? If you're not like, can you do drills on your own? That obviously they're going through the classroom work. They're going through, mm-hmm. and the coaches will tell them. Matt Burke, defensive line coach, will tell them, "Hey, work on this drill. Work on that drill." But you can't replicate going up against another. Another player. No, you really can't replicate going up against another player. But the one thing I think you can do is you can uh, you can you can be ready. And, and I think that's the the main thing is uh, one of the main things that I think a lot of coaches a lot of coaches get uh, pissed off at is uh, when you come in and you don't know what to do. The f- the first thing you can do is they're going to give you some plays to know know those plays. That's number one. Because you don't want that to be the reason that you get sent home because you didn't know what the hell to do out there. Number two is is hustle. When they put you in there, you should not they, hustle should not be one of the one of the sticking points. And the third thing is is, is, is make ways. I say, like, but you got, but the but the very first thing, know what the hell you're doing because there's nothing worse than them sticking you out there and you having a mental error and you had the time to go through it. It's like and it's going to be rough. It's going to be real rough. Because I was afforded the time to, we had walkthroughs and stuff. So I think that's actually, you know what? That's what they need to do. It's like you have to get some dummies and stuff and get away where you can walk through each assignment yourself. Also, the physical part, you probably you probably already there. But the worst part is the mental errors. Because if you do a mental error, the, the opposing team can hit their head on the goalpost, man. It's uh, it's that's like if I learned anything, if I learned anything. The main thing you can be as physical and physical, physically get, get the, most physically gifted athlete known to man. But if you come out there and make a mental mistake after mental mistake, you're going quicker than anything. Hollis, I look back at the 1996 Eagles roster, and uh, Red Hall and Kevin Johnson started mm-hmm. at defensive tackle. Ronnie Dixon, Andy Harmon, and you. Mm-hmm. Um, who did you beat out for a job? Do you think? Uh, it was. <laughs> It was kind of a weird dynamic. Uh, the way the way it was brought to me, I was uh, I was behind um, Ronnie J. I was behind um, I was the fourth the fourth tackle in the, in the four man rotation. So when I went out there, I had to play left or right. I end up I think I ended up beating Ronnie and KJ out mainly because uh, uh, Red, uh, Andy Harmon he got he got injured, so he was out by uh, he was he was um, they always take one one ankle twist away from being a starter. That moved me up, but then, you, as you know, the um, off the field antics with uh, with KJ, 
And then Ronnie, Ronnie, and then Ronnie Dixon. I can't believe out both of him, him and Ronnie Dixon because at one point in the season, I was just getting spot duty, but I had more tackles and more tackles, more plays. I had made more plays than both of them put together. Was uh, was with the, was the way the way Ray Rose brought it to me, and uh, I think the Redskins the game before I actually started, um, the game before I actually started the uh, I was the, the Redskins game. Uh, Ray was thinking about starting me uh, because the game before I had I, I had a really good game the game before, and I was only getting like fifteen fifteen or twenty plays. It's like case in point, I got fifteen plays my very first game. I made three tackles, and the one the third tackle was a tackle. To seal, to seal the deal to stop the Redskins from getting the Redskins Brian Mitchell from getting a first down and making them punt uh, where eventually we ran out of the clock and got in the victory formation at RK Stadium. So uh, it was it was it was games like that and just just doing like what I said I knew I knew myself the first thing like um my my, my training camp I was I was I was kind of kind of physically gifted and I was throwing people around and stuff. But I kept making mental errors, and the coach pulled me to the side. I was like, "Dude, you have an immense amount of physical talent." He's like, "But if you don't know, if you don't get all your stuff, learn, learn, learn the playbook." He's like, "You can't come out in a walkthrough and have a mental bus." He's like, "You have to be in a." He's like, and then, and then a, a full pulled me to the side. He said, "He said what? He said what the hell do you be doing?" He said, "I be seeing you jacking around all the time." He said, "You need to have your excuse the language." He said, "You need to have your ass in your book." And when, we, when we're not in meetings and stuff, you know, get your butt in your book. Get your head in your book. And, you know, because it, they, they like me and they want me around. Like, but the only way you're going to be around is if you know your stuff. You have the physical, I have the physical attributes. You say, but if you don't know your stuff and know what you're supposed to do, they can't use you. Yeah. And that's, so, that's, that's so yeah. anywhere. Yeah, the mental, the mental thing is, I guess people don't really consider that, but that's obviously what yeah. these young kids do. Um, Hollis, your, your perspective on what the Eagles have done at defensive tackle in this offseason with Javon Hargrave coming in and I how love important it. it is. Yeah, tell me about it. I do that. Dude, when, they, when they got him, I was like, ooh, because I knew, I knew it was between him and uh, Sayamalu. Uh, when, you remember when they drafted Sayamalu? But I think he was, I think they, I think he got drafted first. Uh, and that was just what I, what I was hearing uh, during the time uh, of the draft. And I've been watching the kid play. Dude, it's, uh, uh, it's him and Fletcher together. And then you bring uh, Malik Jackson, too. And I don't know who the, I don't know who the next other guy's gonna be, but they should pose. It should be this should be real formidable. If everybody's able to stay healthy, I think we should be we should wreak havoc on the entire NFL, especially in the interior. It should be something like we've never seen in quite some time. It, it's, yeah. it's, man, the, the, the strength, the strength, speed, and power that that those got the, that those just those three three guys alone possess. To make the outside, the outside guys should be should have double digit sacks at least two or three of the guys. It's just because of the, the way those guys crush the pocket and, and and are always on the go, and plus you're able to rotate the guy. The, the, the key I think is being able to rotate the guys and not miss a step. Because when you, when you can do that as a, as a team in general, you, you're going to make it. To, you're going to make it to the playoffs, and then it's up to those guys. They, they'll be in the driver's seat, or where else you go after the playoffs. Yeah. So finally, Hollis, the word of advice you would have to all of these Eagles players who are rookies, who weren't drafted, and who are wondering how they're going to make this football team, what would you say for them to do? Uh, the main thing to do is come in. First of all, come in and shape. But second, second, but really first, know the play, know, know the plays that the coach, coaches give you, and, pretty, and uh, pretty much and the hustle. 
It's like the, the number one thing that any that nobody wants to turn on practice film and see is somebody loafing. You know what a loaf is, don't you? Yeah. A loaf, loaf means that everybody else is running to the ball. Yeah, but you took, yeah, but you took it upon yourself to kind of like lollygag and jog because it doesn't seem that important to you. That's it. If you if you if anything, you do not want to loaf ever. Like they should not turn on the film, and you should not be running. Put it this way: they uh, they they used to call most of the time the DBs would get the loafs because you would see if a defensive lineman is passing you up in, in the not even in the pursuit drill, but pursuing the ball, then you're loafing as a, as a defensive back. As a defensive lineman, if you don't if you're not hauling ass, that's what they call it: haul ass. You, 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 everybody to the rock because you never know what can happen. But the other thing, the ultimate thing is the middle point we were just talking about. They can if you can have all the physical attributes in the world, but if you don't know what the hell you're doing, man, they cannot use you. It's like you you might be around for a hot second, and then but then it's going to come down to does he know the defense? Can he comprehend? Can he can he comprehend the stuff that we're doing? Because if they if you can't comprehend, they can't get you on the field. That's the advice, Hollis Thomas. Fourteen years, right? Fourteen yes. years. You were there. You you were you were here. Well, but after you <laughs> left the Eagles. After you left the Eagles, you know, you were kind of on the other side of the, of the but, team but, that we liked. So, so you basically tell me after I left the Eagles, you lost, you lost track of me? Wow. Well, man. look, I mean, with the Talk Saints, the Rams. Talking <laughs> about a friendship gone to the wayside. Man. I, hey, you know I love you, man. Yeah, I love you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate right. you having me on. Take care. That will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Insider Dave Spadaro with you. If you have a moment... To give us a rating, we would appreciate it. The five stars help when we try to get the stars of this team on the podcast. So check it out. We've got the link for you in the bio, in the library of your podcasts. Uh, So thanks to Ray Doyle. Thanks to Peter Kelly. Thanks to you, all of you, for tuning in each and every episode. We're back on Monday with more from the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. And fly, Eagles, fly.